Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crow's Nest. Thank you for listening to Talk Jive today. I'm Thomas III, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Kevin Crow. How are you doing today? Doing well. All right, so we have, uh, of course, a big election coming up, these these midterm elections. Um, there's a lot of really important um, different people that are that are running for office and uh there's it's looking like there's a there's a lot of people that have been um registering to vote and a lot of younger uh younger people kind of getting involved in politics and what it used to be and we're starting to see voter suppression in a few places and I kind of wanted to get your uh get your opinion on that cuz we've seen it in Georgia where a lot of uh the lower class people are being um, purged from roles and uh, making it really tough for them to get there. And then uh, we're seeing it in, I believe it's North Dakota where they're, they're not allowing people to use a PO box address, not allowing people to use a uh, tribal ID to go vote. So I want to get kind of your thoughts on that and um, you know, how we've seen this in history before. Yeah, and I can see this from a number of sides. You know, obviously, um, the North Dakota one's a, a good example. Um, a lot of people don't have a street address. You know, I mean, some people just have a P.O. box address. Of course, the way to get around that would be some type of... I, but but there is, there's also a need to make sure that people who do vote are registered, are legal voters. Um and of course, you know, one way to get around there is a photo ID, but then that, that comes to who's doing the photo ID. You know, you have to be able to have uh, entities that people will trust. Not everybody has a driver's license. Um, so, you know, if the, if the state provides one, that's one way around that. Well, course, and, it's, and it's expensive. It's, it's pretty expensive to get a, uh, just a regular state ID. I yes. think it's thirty seven fifty or something now. Well, and probably one of the things that, that you'd have to do for sure is if the, if the ID was only for voting, it would probably need to be where there was no charge involved. I mean, that's another thing you'd have to do, too. too. Otherwise, it would be like a poll tax. Yeah. Um, but, but I think if you had it set up to where there was not a charge involved— uh, and the state had a had a had a an alternative to the driver's license. You know, I could see them using that because because historically there's also a problem with people who have been long dead still on the voting records. You know, there, there's there's that problem too with, with um. So there is a, a legitimate problem there. I remember one time when I ran, we you get a list of um, oh you can get list of addresses to see where you need to go vote or, or, or where to go knock doors or whatever. Hmm. And then I remember, and, and it could see, well, where did people vote from and all that. And I remember one time when we were, when I was running, we were marking off there and all of a sudden there was an address where we said, oh, we'll have to hit this because people have voted there, uh, you know, consistently. And we looked, there wasn't a house there. And it wasn't like the house had been torn down. There had never been, that address had never existed. Just like an empty lot? Yeah, so there is voter fraud as well. But, but the question is, how do you balance that? Um, and of course, I, I think if you're just asking, you know, if they're not accepting a PO box, I get that. But people need, you know, they if they had a, you can't just expect people to have a street address because, like I said, a lot of places they don't. You know, they're they're not marked that way the streets. But but some type of voter ID, maybe a photo ID. But again, before you have a law, but before you have any rules that that sit the that have you know, fairly um, stringent criteria to vote, you need to make sure that you have the ability to, to ensure that everybody who is a registered voter can get 
a photo ID. In other words, you, you can't impose something and not have the logistical ability to carry it out. And that's what some of the problem is in some of these states, I think. So how do we, how do we fix this? I mean, what, what kind of, there's got to be some kind of way to make sure that, especially to me, Native Americans, like that's, that's kind of a, that's a, a spit in the face because yes. even, even me growing up, we didn't have a street address for right. a long time. And this you know? isn't just an, I mean, there's, there's a lot of areas of the country that are like that. Um, you know, I remember even in, in Arkansas until very recently, you know, you don't have a 911 system and then roads aren't marked like, you know, here we have county road number, whatever. Yeah. But they weren't like that always. And it's very recent. So there's a lot of places in the, in the country that are like that. Um, I mean, it may not be the majority, but it's enough to make a difference. Uh, and is it is it something that um, that the tribes are going to have to deal with as far as getting getting their IDs to be recognized by the state? Yeah. Because I know there's only, I think maybe seven tribes in Oklahoma that they'll recognize a tribal ID as a, a regular ID, like at the DMV or something like that, because it's you have to have the little barcode on the back and be registered, you know. I guess some some kind of real ID or whatever like that. So, uh, how are, how are you not taking these tribal IDs? I mean, I, I can understand not wanting non citizens to vote, but it, it really just feels like a slap in the face when you're trying to keep natives from voting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're if you're gonna if if you're gonna have a law that's, and again, I understand the theory behind the laws. I get that. But if you're, if you're actually going to check people to see if they're registered voters, the state should first have a means that's fair where you, where, where you could provide photo IDs. I mean, that's just a cost. I mean, sometimes there's, there's just a cost involved to make sure you have, you know, a legitimate election. We buy, you know, if, if we spend money on voting machines, we can spend money on getting the right type of 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 system whereby that we could verify you know the the IDs and things of that nature. But again, you don't enforce anything until you have the ability where anybody who is a registered voter has the ability to to demonstrate that. In other words, that's that's a cost that we would just have to pay. I mean, we we need to make sure that people have IDs. Um, again, what I mean is not out of their pocket. We need to make it for, for again, uh, you know, there, there needs to be locations uh, on tribal lands where, where, where they could get a photo ID. Um, it, it, we don't want to make it too onerous where they can't, you know, where, where we insist that they have a type of ID that they don't have access to. And I wonder if that's something that, um, that maybe the tribe should look into actually footing the bill for that, you know, for yeah, the for maybe, their voters on, to be able to get a, a regular ID. But on this one, the the tribe shouldn't have to spend that money. I mean, yeah. that's something as an American citizen, you know, that's a or or as a state citizen, if it's if it's, I guess those are more state requirements, not a, um, federal requirements. Yeah. But but as as you know, as a citizen of a state. That should be the state's responsibility. I mean, that shouldn't that sh that monetary cost should not fall on the tribe. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and uh, so I even saw like there's a lot of really old, um, I guess uh, I don't know if they're servers or uh, voting machines or yeah. what. It, you know, we're seeing a lot of this where it's actually changing people's votes, where they're they're at the polling station trying to vote a certain way. And it's not allowing them to vote. And, and it, it turns it the other way. Yeah. yeah. And that's been a problem that creeps up every once in a while. This year, 
one of the problems tends to be people who want to vote straight party ticket is the one it changes. Mm. But, you know, I've, and of course, that's an option we have in Oklahoma. You can vote straight party ticket. I've always hated that option. I think everybody ought to have to push ever leper. You ever, ought to have yeah. to read who you're voting for. I don't like the option of voting straight party ticket. But I think that's one, one of the places, I think in Texas, that's been a big issue yeah. this year. Now, moving on to something else, there's, there's something that's really been in the, um, in the news a lot, and uh, that's Trump coming out and saying that he wants to end birthright citizenship. Mm-hmm. And um, that's part of the 14th Amendment. It's something that a lot of people are saying, well, it's just a, it's just a ploy uh, for midterms to try to make, make it look like he's trying to do something about, um, you know, in, immigrants. And uh, I, I know that's a hot topic anyway, for, uh, especially for his fan, you know, his, his base. And so, um, what do, what do you think about that? About him coming out and saying that he's going to do this, and I mean, it, what it would take like an act of Congress, wouldn't it, to actually overturn an amendment? Or well, but what? but see, the amendment it's it's an unsettled law. I mean, it's one that should have been taken to the Supreme Court a long time ago. This question, one way or the other, to determine because, like I said, it's the Fourteenth Amendment. I'll mention two things on this, but but the um, if you go back to when the law was written, of course, it was to guarantee that that former slaves and their children would be recognized as American citizens because there were a lot of southern states, places like this, that were trying to deny blacks citizenship. And so they wanted to say, no, 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 that's not right. They are American citizens as well. So this is to uphold uh, the people who have just been given freedom. And so the law actually, you know, what it says was word for word, let me give you the word for word part, is... um, yeah, um, give me just a second. I'm gonna get the. Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, where you know where where it actually mentions. Yeah, it says that specifically criteria for American citizenship, birth or naturalized citizenship is what they basically say. And and, and if you're, uh, but but the notion was that when it says you know if you were born here and all of this, or let me find the actual word, because the wording looks clear, but it's not as clear as it seems. I apologize for this. I thought I had. Yeah, here it is. It says, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. That's how the law is written. So the question, so you know, it looks like, well, they're born here. But the problem is, uh, there was a Senator, Senator Lehman Turn, uh, Turnbull of, of Illinois, and he was one of the principal figures in drafting the amendment. And he defined subject to jurisdiction as not owing allegiance to anybody else. So in other words, you have to make sure that you're a citizen of one place, not two. That was how he defined it. Now, the other person, the person who actually sponsored the bill at the time was a guy by the name of Jacob Howard. He was from Michigan. Again, he was the sponsor, and he actually said this at the time, uh, and again, this is right in the record, uh, the clause he said, he, he said that the amendment specifically excluded, and this is what he said, um, excludes from citizenship, quote, persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens, or who belong to families or of ambassadors or foreign ministers. So we, you know that was brought up at the time when the, when the, during the debate that this would not go to them and and and, and the clause there was uh, again that clause subject to ju- the jurisdiction of, and so because of that it's not clear whether you know 
people born automatically have citizenship or not. Now, since the 60s, they've assumed that, since the 1960s. Mm. But which, that should have gone to the Supreme Court at that time to, to rule on this. It hasn't. But I would think if Trump gets this through, if this, is, if this becomes, you know, settled law, that this will not, that this will, that, that, you know, being born doesn't automatically have citizenship, I would still think that the, that the just thing would be that people who, who were born before, you know, we had that ruling, you wouldn't take theirs away. Does that make sense? That would seem... Yeah, uh, so you don't make a law that's You don't want to make affect, it retroactively. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's not making the law, it's just interpreting. But even then, you know, we, we've... But, but I, I, I get the basis of it. And here's the thing. I think there's another addition, and this, again, affects, you know, the, the Native co- uh, um, community in the U.S. Uh, you know, realize in the U.S. it wasn't until 1924 that the federal government actually admitted Native Americans born in the U.S. were full citizens. Yeah. So that shows you that the law... Did not apply at that time. If it, you, you see what I'm saying, yeah. And and the the sad thing from that perspective, you realize it was as late as 1962 before some states still allowed Native Americans to vote. I think New Mexico, I think, was the last one. Yeah, that was um, that. That's always been a big big thing in the Native communities is how many uh, per capita that yeah. actually enlist in, in the armed forces and that's have right. been fighting in these wars for years. Well, well, and we're here first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's true too. I mean, they, you, they were here first. I mean, yeah. And, stuff. and that's, that's what's, uh, it's kind of crazy to me that we're getting into so much of this, like, because whenever people talk about immigration, it it always seems to rub natives the wrong way. Yeah. Like now you're against immigration. You know, whenever all you y'all were coming over here and killing us off, then you know, you weren't worried about that. And and it's kind of the same way with, with talking about Trump, how he he seems to always marry uh foreign foreign citizens and, you know, have these kids that uh is that going to take their birthright citizenship away, or just because he's a citizen, then that would keep their their citizenship? Well, his would be, you know, he's one parent would have been. Does that make sense at the time? And again, and I think, and 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 obviously by the time his that he's married, his wife would have been a citizen by that time too. I think. Oh yeah. I well, think, I know I if you. I think if you if you marry him. Then they become a citizen but because I, of the marriage, right? Or do you have to become you a citizen to, first? You know, well, there's still a process. There's no guarantee. Does that make sense okay. at that time? But you, it makes it easier, but it doesn't guarantee it at the time. It's not automatic. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So uh, we have another story that's coming out about this uh, possible mass exodus of White House staff. And um, they're talking about the... Uh, if if the Democrats were to overturn uh, the Congress or House or whatever and get subpoena power, that that's what a lot of them are worried about. What do you think? There's any any legs to this story, or you? Think- I don't know. I mean, two parts. First of all, I wouldn't be too worried about them subpoenaing lots of people because politically speaking, this would not be smart for the Democrats to subpoena a lot of people. Does that make sense? Because already there'll be. We've seen this on the other way, too. I mean, you think when Clinton was in, you know, when the Republicans would subpoena a lot of people, it turned off people. And I think there's a there's a level already, so I don't know. But I do think this, I think regardless whether the Republicans or the Democrats do well in this election, I think there would be a mass exodus. Again, this isn't even an anti-Trump thing. It's just the fact that a lot of times when you get that second, when you, when you have that, um, um, you know, the, well, 
we're actually talking about midterms, but but yeah. a lot of times as you go later, there, uh, each election cycle, there will be people who will leave because you know they have other political ambitions, things of this nature. Although this would be early, usually you'd see that after the if Trump were reelected, you would see more of a mass, you know, of people leaving. Again, that that happens with every administration to a degree, and there could be people afraid of subpoena power because of, mainly because there's the cost. I mean, they have to defend themselves at their own cost, and so that I could see that. But but I don't know. I, I some people maybe want to leave again to to further their own political career anyway, or their own private career. Because, you know, a lot of these people, when they go into government, um, a lot of these people can actually make a lot more once they've left government. This is a sad thing because they have influence and stuff, and the private sector pays more. So I imagine either way there'll be a lot of people leaving. And I think there's even a level of fame, I guess, yeah. that you get from, um, from, from just being – in that political circle, you see how much uh, ex-presidents or, you know, staff members or somebody that was close to the president, how much they make in book sales and it's how true. much they get to go speak at conventions or at whatever, you know, these speaking engagements and stuff. So uh, I could I can kind of see that side of it, too. But you, so this is something that you see pretty, pretty often after elections yeah. is kind of, you know, just uh, that revolving door, I guess. And um now, what do you think about some of these some of these elections that are happening in Oklahoma? Because I, I feel like I, I went to uh, the Talib Kweli Beats and Ballots event yep. the other night, and there was really a lot of young people, like people younger than me. <clears throat> and it, it feels like um, the young people and the minorities are really coming out uh, here lately. And I think we saw a bump in that whenever Obama was running. And then um, we're starting to see it again, but we saw we saw such a rise in a lot of uh, re- Republican conservative voting whenever Trump was running. So it's kind of that pendulum swing, and it, and it feels like you know with as many natives and um, women and uh, minorities that are running for office all over the United States, it seems like it's bringing out a lot more of uh, the younger voter or minority voter that might not have even thought about voting before. Well, and another thing that I've noticed right around here that's unusual that I've never seen before anywhere is, and again, not that this is going to be a a large turnout number-wise, but it's certainly enough to to sway the election. I don't know if you've noticed signs, the governor signs, how many libertarian signs there are. I'm seeing more signs in this town and this surrounding area for the libertarian candidate than I am for the Republican or Democratic candidate. I've never seen that happen. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily translate into that many votes, but I found I find it very odd. And I don't know which way that will play out. I mean, you would think that a large Republican turnout, excuse me, a large libertarian turnout would be harmful for the Republicans if people are going that way. But then when I was driving through here, I was, you know, driving through this town, I've noticed that these libertarian signs are in parts of the town that are Republican and Democrat. And I see weird things. I see um, um, signs for the libertarian candidate for governor next to Trump signs. So it's clear that this is a Republican voter who's voting libertarian because these people have Trump signs and then the libertarian candidate signs. But then I also see some of these libertarian signs out in houses that I know are Democrats. I know the people that live there. And so that's the, that's kind of an odd, you know, that that's another way that we're not going to be able to predict this governor's race. First of all, it's close already. Uh, they say that Stitt has a lead, 
but it's not a big lead. And, you know, it, it, that's, it's, it's very, I think he has like, I think it's 46 to 41. That still leaves quite a number of people that aren't determined. It's right hard there. It's hard to trust those polls, too. I mean, it is. we saw the, all the polls that said Hillary was going to win, the, you know. And the best polls, the best polls to trust, and, and you have to look, you look at their methodology, is you don't look at what most people say. You don't even look at registered voters. What you look at is you look at people that have voted in the last three elections. And if you can find poll numbers where they're, where they're asking people that have voted in the last three elections, that usually tells you that's closer, more closer to accurate. Now, having said that, as we said, you know, this last election you had 788 and there was a ton of people that had not voted before. Mm. So even, even the, um, you know, the thing that I'm saying, that if you look through the last three elections, that'll give you a, a good indication. Even that may not be true this time. So I don't know how to read the polls this time. I, I just don't. Um, you know, again, obviously registered voters is one thing. Likely voters is usually better. But ones that are consistent, that have done this three times, that's the ones you usually normally read. But again, there was a lot of people that turned out in that last one that hadn't voted in a long time. There was. And, you know, on top of that, I think, um, well, it wasn't just 788, but there were a lot of these counties that were trying to pass liquor by the drink laws mm-hmm. just so they could have beer in their in their restaurants or casinos or whatever. And, you know, I think that was another issue that brought out a lot of younger voters, people that that kind of want the state to catch up, you yeah. know, to the times of, of everywhere else. And that was that was the thing about 788 that really um, kind of shocked me that we were the 30th state to do it. Yeah. And if, if I would have... If if I'm a betting man and you asked me a few years ago what number state would we be to legalize medical, I, I would have said 49 or 50 yeah, easily. Yeah. And so so are we seeing a shift in Oklahoma's politics? But the other side of the coin might be those might have been single-issue voters who turned out for that. They've got what they wanted. They may not show up this time. So there's no way to read that even. Yeah. You know, are, did this energize a new group of voters, or did they get what they want and that's it? It's hard to predict on this one. Um, and, and I've thought of every way. Like I said, sometimes I'll look at signs, but this time the signs, literally the, the, the yard signs are odd like you just don't see that many i haven't seen that many for edmondson or Stitt, either one and well, that's this late in the election you would think you would see a lot more than what you do and i have been noticing that um as far as uh, with with native voters because the the majority of native voters that i know are democrat or leaning mm-hmm. democrat but you're seeing a lot of them putting um putting uh you know like signs of charles wells in their yard, yeah. because he's a native, but he's Republican, and so you're starting to see kind of that that split too. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, the split within within the parties, where like you were talking about the you know the libertarians were. It's almost like a, a fraction of uh, what would have normally been the Republican uh, demographic, but they're kind of going their own way, and I and I noticed that too because I have a couple of a couple of buddies from high school that are, are libertarian and they, they push a libertarian agenda, yeah. you know, on social media and stuff like that, but they don't seem the, the, 
regular conservative type. Well, and you know, another thing when you're talking about the the native involvement now, how it's going bipartisan, it's not just that. It's like you said, it goes within within factions within party. So for example, if you look if you look at the Republican establishment in this state, there's a lot of Chickasaws. A lot of Chick I mean Chickasaws are very powerful in the well our our congressman's a Chickasaw. Mm. Um on the other hand, if you look at a lot of grassroots Republicans, a lot of a lot of um, not libertarians, a lot of um, Tea Party Republicans, a lot of those are Choctaws. I mean, it's it's unusual. I notice at Tea Party meetings how many Choctaws there are. So you get a lot of, like I said, you're, you're getting you're getting the Native population not just now just being not just not only Democrats but now being Republicans, but also running the spectrum within these parties. So there's a lot of involvement, a lot of a lot of candidates now too. And that's always on both part, uh, it's always know, been interesting to me because I remember when I was first learning about politics and uh, I was probably in sixth grade or something and we were we were talking about um, what party we would be in and all that kind of stuff and so they were like you know go home and ask your parents what what they vote or what they identify as and um, you know come back and tell us and I remember going home and asking my dad are, are you a, a Democrat or a Republican he said. Son, there is no good reason why any brown person should be a Republican. No. And I remember it always stuck with me, you know, and he was like, if you just, you know, if you look down the policies and uh, how it's been, you know, since the, since the party switched, um, they usually don't do things that are uh, positive for, for natives, for, for Indians. And, um, it's it's weird how that switched because like you said I've I've noticed that a lot of the the eastern tribes or what they call civilized tribes are uh more leaning towards republican than they are towards democrat or being And again liberal. it both ways both at the grassroots and at the establishment. I mean they're it's heavily involved. Um they're they're some of the big contributors too and stuff. They have and, a lot of pull in the Republican party. Yeah, and I I saw where the Chickasaws they were one of the biggest um one of the biggest donor donators to uh, the whole going against uh, state question 788 in that big, you know, all the stuff that they were putting out, all the propaganda right before the vote. And that kind of, that kind of shocked me a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm just wondering which, which tribe is going to be the first one to decide to get into the, the medical marijuana game. Whether it's whether it's growing or it's uh, you know having a dispensary, um, because to me this is this is the first step in the way that every other state has legalized recreational. That was always the first step is getting uh, medical marijuana, and then um, it, eventually it's going to be uh, recreational. Is that the way you see this going? You think that it's it's eventually going to be recreational? I mean, it very well could. I mean, it's hard to say exactly. And again, you know, as you travel across the state, there's very different attitudes in different parts of the state. And again, I think that's what you said reflects in the different tribes, too. There's going to be different attitudes, quite a bit different attitudes. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there certainly will be a move in certain areas to go recreational, but I don't know how how much that will catch on. Um, You know, part of it is, is there's already states that you know, some people may luck and see how well this plays out in Colorado. Does that make sense? They may wait yeah. another ten years before they they jump in. But there's well, always, anytime there's money involved, there's always somebody who's going to push on that. 
Oh yeah, and I mean that's that's the way I look at it is once you once you bump it up to recreational, the taxes that you can make off of it, I mean, it's going to be way more than what they're taxing what they're taxing the, the, the medical. They'll make money right on now. that, but there's all there'll also be a social cost there and 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 driving up, you know, I mean, that could drive up costs too, not just in incarceration, but also if you have um, driving on the influence. So, so there's, you know, it, we'll have to wait and see cost benefit, you know. Well, there's, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of numbers out there from um, like places like Colorado yeah. that have been uh, recreational for, for quite a while now that they have, they have some solid numbers out there. And, um, you know, they, they've been, there's been some people pushing, pushing that, that, uh, you know, all these numbers are going to go up, but there's a lot of numbers that I've seen that that they're not, and and actually in some cases they're down. Um, incarceration rates, you know, there's so many people that that are in in jail right now for marijuana charges or you know um, distribution charges of marijuana, and and you know there's there's a lot of people that are talking about going back and retroactively taking their you know, taking their charges off or lowering them and, and actually releasing. So I guess we'll just have to see how it goes. And um, so before before we go, what are your predictions? How are you how are you gonna predict this race goes by next Tuesday? Oh man. Um I think that well, I will I'll start with the safer ones. I think the Republicans will will, will win the lieutenant governor race. <laughs> okay, I'll start with the, <laughs> with the safer ones first. Um you know I would not be surprised. Ultimately, I think the Republican will win the the um, the the um, labor commissioner, but I think that race will actually go into a runoff first. I think there's an, enough. There may be enough. You know, there's actually a third party person running in that, and I think there's enough to to push it in that way to kind of sway it. Yes, I mean there, there's uh, you know that that that's that's going to be an interesting race. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think I know which way it'll go, but 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 there's a possibility there. Uh, you know, normally we don't think a third party can do it, but there's they're awful close. Uh, hmm. and, and there's there's also some of these a number of races that there's going to be a, some hard feelings left over from the primaries, which is also going to. You know, it's going to cut into some of the, some parties' votes sometimes too. So, uh, all bets are off. I think I think the only one that you can you know that you can say, well, this is going to happen is the lieutenant governor. I think the Republicans will win the lieutenant governor race. But having said that, you know, even that, I yeah, they'll they'll win that. But it's but but the numbers are going are going to be closer than people think in, in, in most of the races. I'll just put them that way. So so coin flips are what you're kind of predicting. Oh, yeah. And usually I'm not. Usually I'll come out and say something, but this one is, there's two problems. It's not only that they're running close, all the things that I would normally look at for predictors, whether it's yard signs, like we've said, or everything's just off base. And then, you know, on the one hand, you know, we can see numbers where, where people are, you know, when you look at people, how they're enthusiastic, saying, oh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the Democrats have this momentum, or oh, the Republicans have the momentum. That's true at the national level. I don't know how true it is at the state one. I mean, the Democrats may have some momentum this time, but I don't think, you know, a lot of these elections will come down to local issues more. Um, 
Not necessarily in other states. I think in other states, I think I think both both bases are are fired up. I don't know how fired up the base is here on, on, e, on either with with either group. And I do think that there may be some some hurt feelings from the primaries that 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 that's not being taken into into consideration. So I think they'll be close. I think they'll be close. All right. Well, we'll check back next week and except for except for lieutenant governor. Lieutenant I think governor that, is I think the that only one. Be, and, and watch me be wrong tomorrow, but I, or next time. But I, I think that's the only one I feel real comfortable. And I do think I do think the Republicans will probably win. You know, with the um, um, the the um, uh, person, the superintendent of education. You know, I mean, there's some of these that they they will. But even there. You know, there, there's going, there's going to, there may be Republicans setting out on some of these because there was some, there were some hard feelings during the, um, during the primaries, during the primaries, and and I'm not for sure. I don't know on the, on the Democratic primary how many, how much hard feelings there are, but you can see that play out too. But it's, it's going to be interesting. It's one I would not predict on any, on any of this. But right. get out and vote. Everybody needs. Yeah, to. get out and vote. If, if you're registered, get out there and and use that. Use your voice. Again, if nothing else, you can't complain if you don't vote. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Crow. Thank Another you. Another episode of The Crow's Nest in the books. And everybody get out there and vote. Thank you for listening to Talk Jive Radio at talkjive.org.